Well, you can uh, take your seats, and would you take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Luke. We are going to be in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10, and you will notice if you don't have a Bible that our ushers are coming around, uh, we would love for you to have a copy of God's Word. So if you don't have one, get their attention. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, would you just consider that one a, a gift? Uh, we would love for you to have it, take it home, read it. Come on back next week. We would love to worship with you, and we love to study the Bible. And so uh, go with us to Luke chapter 10, and we are in our second uh, week in our Go Beyond series. Go Beyond is our local outreach uh, efforts, okay? So, so we've said it this way. Uh, Go Beyond is a church-led initiative to encourage, organize, and mobilize people to better our community through acts of service. Listen, we are not a church that's only interested in us, our thing. We're going to get our eyes off of ourselves, look at our community. We're so got, glad that God placed us here. We believe he placed us here for a purpose for such a time as this, and we want to seek the welfare of our city. We want to impact Northern Virginia. i got to tell you, one of the things that I love about this, and I know that last week we talked about the fact that a lot of you have loved, a love-hate relationship with the area. One of the things that I love about this place, living here, is that we're already so cause-oriented. We're like driven people, and people just, they're already thinking about, passionate about social justice and doing good in our community and in the world. I love that. In fact, I did some research this week, and if you do a search on yellowpages.com and you search for charities in Fairfax, Virginia, there's over 600 results. That's a lot. And on deed, in, Indeed.com, maybe some of you have used that. Uh, if you go there right now, there are over uh, 3,600 nonprofit jobs in Fairfax County. Like we're, we're just like engaged in uh, community projects and volunteering and, and nonprofits and the like. And this upcoming millennial generation that's here, we're only adding fuel to this drive. And, and in fact, um, 2015, uh, the Washington Post had a article that highlighted the results from the Millennial Impact Report, and they found this. 84% of those that were surveyed had made a charitable donation in 2014. We're giving. We're a generation that gives. We, we, we're, we're happy to give to a cause that we believe in, and we're also volunteering. Uh, the, the, these younger generations, 70% of millennials spent at least one hour volunteering their time to a cause that they cared about, with more than a third volunteering their time or, or volunteering 11 hours or more, and 45% participated in a company-wide volunteer day. And if your companies have one of those, any, any, any of the businesses that you work for have like a, a service project or something, yeah, we got some of those. Well, well even further than that, 32% of these millennials used paid time off to volunteer. And 16% took unpaid time off to volunteer. What I'm trying to say is they're, 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 we're, we're like giving. We're volunteering. We want to serve. We want to be a part of this. And in fact, uh, this, these younger generations, there's kind of been a shift in thinking about work and business and, and companies and what's the purpose of work. In fact, uh, there was an article in, on Forbes online this past November which they said, and, and, I, and I've got this graph here, I want to show this to you. In a World Economic Forum study, 5,000 millennials were surveyed in 18 different countries around the world. They indicated that the overall top priority for any business should be, you see it there? Improve society. 
I mean, th- th- think about the implications of that. Yeah, we want to generate profit. We want to make some money. But more important than any of that, we need to improve society. What I'm telling you is, like, we are driven and we care about our community. This is part of the reason I was thinking about how, how, do, we, how do we take this cause-oriented spirit and connect it with the cause of Christ? How do we connect our generation and our community with the mission of the church? And you know the answer is the gospel, right? Because the gospel is what can change your hearts. It can change your hearts so that you will love Christ, so that you will actually love your neighbors, and only Jesus can actually bring true transformation to a community. So the church needs to be leading the way on this. That's why we are doing Go Beyond, because we want to be in the forefront seeking the welfare of our city because we know that the deepest need of our community is Christ. And so the question that we need to be asking ourselves as we're going through this month is, do we here at Fairfax, do we really love God and love our community here in Northern Virginia? Do we do that? Well, in Mark, or excuse me, in Luke chapter 10, uh, there's a guy that we're going to read about who really did not love God or his community. And, and, and Jesus, I love this, Jesus is going to take this guy to the mat, okay? He is going to pin him to the ground with a well-timed mic drop question. I'm just going to give it to you up front, okay? This is what we're calling this morning the neighbor test. The neighbor test. I was actually like expecting like an audible groan. Right? Anybody like tests? Are you are like we have anybody that really enjoys tests? Yeah, I didn't think so. Nobody likes tests. It's summer. We're not supposed to be taking tests right now, right? Well, Jesus just might pin us to the ground on this one and where we're at because he knows that we're not yet where we need to be. He wants our hearts. So let me just tell you, here's what the neighbor test is. You ready? Do you love God by loving your neighbor? Do you love God by loving your neighbor? And will you prove to be a loving neighbor? Will you demonstrate your love for God by the way that you love people around you? And let me give you the big idea because I don't want you to miss this this morning, okay? Here's your big idea this morning. Only the love of Jesus can pass the neighbor test. Only the love of Jesus can pass the neighbor test. I think that's going to become pretty obvious here. We're in Luke chapter 10. I'm starting right here in verse 25. You follow along with me as I read verse 25. Luke says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I think you're going to get a warning here. Okay, I just want you to note this. This is a warning for us as we look at this guy. Uh, You can know the answer, but fail the test. Did you know that? You can know the answer, but fail the test. 
See, Jesus is, is actually the one on, on, on trial here. Verse, verse 25, the lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Jesus is the one that's got to take the test first, but I'm pretty sure he can handle it. But the reason that this guy is putting Jesus to the test is not because he wants to see how well he's doing, evaluate his progress. No, no, no. He wants Jesus to fail, right? He wants Jesus. He, he, I mean, he's a lawyer, so he, maybe this guy's pretty smart. Obviously, he, he might be able to argue logically, and he's hoping that he's going to be able to trap Jesus and make him look bad in front of all of his followers. Side note, side note, this never really goes well for these guys in the Gospels. In fact, you almost start to feel bad for them. Like as soon as they open their mouth to start talking and kind of arguing with Jesus, everybody like looks down at the floor and they're all feeling like, dude, just shut up. Don't say anything. And like you're, you're, you're feeling like unless you want to become a sermon illustration, just shut your mouth, right? But this guy thinks that this is his moment where he's going to take Jesus out. And so he says to him, uh, teacher, there it is, uh, verse 25, 26. 25, excuse me, uh, teacher, and, and, and let me just say it like he would, okay? He probably would get a little snarky. Uh, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life, right? He's, he, you're just like oozing attitude here. However, uh, that's a legit question. You know that? That's a legit question. In fact, if somebody came up to me this morning, I'd be fired up if you asked me that question. I'd go right into the gospel. And if you're a teacher trying to impress your students that are listening, this is a great opportunity for you to expound prolifically, right? Prove your theological prowess. Just wow the crowds and impress her. Jesus is not interested in impressing the crowds. And he knows what this guy's up to, and he's not playing by the dude's rules. He sees right through him. And in fact, he sees right to his heart, and he wants to cut to the heart. And so instead of answering the question, I love what Jesus does. Do you notice it? He actually turns it around, and he asks the lawyer a question. Verse 26, he says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Okay, so that's totally not fair. I mean, how many of you, like, who else gets to answer a question by turning around and, and, and testing uh, the person that's supposed to be testing them. Nobody else gets to do that, right? I, I don't suggest that you try that in, in a job interview or, or with a prof. That's just not going to go over well. You don't want to try that, right? That's not fair that he gets to do that. But, but, but the, uh, uh, the, the lawyer can't even help himself. He wants to impress people. And so as soon as Jesus asks the question, basically what Jesus is saying is, how well do you know your Bible? And this guy can't wait to give the opportunity to like, I I'm going to impress everybody in this moment. And so he takes the bait and, and he answers the question. And of course, he knows where to go. He goes to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is uh, one of the passages in, in, that the Jewish people, they called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Everybody knew that scripture. Everybody in Israel had that one memorized. Nobody is surprised that he went there. But, but he goes further. He goes one step beyond that. Look at, look, at, look at what he says, verse 27. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And, and, wait for it, here it is, here it is. And your neighbor as yourself. I mean, like, he just, like, steps up to the plate and see you later. It, like, crushed that one over the fence. I mean, is he right? Is he right? Survey says, verse 28, Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Apparently, this guy's been paying attention, and he knows his stuff. He's got the answer right. In fact, Jesus actually made the same summary of the law. 
in, um, when, when he was asked about this, Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked, what is, which is the greatest commandment? So what is the great commandment? We better know that. That's actually part of our mission statement. You know this, right? What's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, number one, love the Lord your God. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. So this guy aced the test, right? I mean, I mean he knew his stuff. I know we're kind of thinking like, that really wasn't that hard, right? That really wasn't that tough of a, a question. I mean, that was, that, come on, Jesus. That was kind of like a softball pitch right up the middle, and that, that, that really wasn't that difficult. And Jesus is like, wait, 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 I'm not done yet. Here comes the curve. Do this, and you will live. And all the heads just whipped to the lawyer to look. It was kind of one of those like, ooh, moments. You know what I'm saying? Right? Chalk one up for Jesus. He got, he got a point. Jesus knows exactly what's going on in this man's heart, and he's trying to dig deep here. Cut straight to what's going on in here. I think the lawyer, I, I, his, you, you can just imagine his face probably went red. And, uh, I mean, everybody's looking at him. He feels kind of like he's up against the ropes. And so, so what does he say, verse 29? He desiring to justify himself. Okay, so that's just like, he's... He's swinging, making haymakers. He's not landing any punches. But, but that's just kind of showing his insincerity and proving that he's not passing the test. And he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Not a legit question. He's actually not interested in finding that out. That's not really what he's asking, is it? What, what, what he's really saying is, okay, wait, 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 time out, time out. Define neighbor for me, okay? Let, let, let's, let's put some parameters around that. Who does that actually include? And, and, and who can I leave out then? And, and really what he's asking is like, okay, what's the bare minimum that I can get away with? How low can I go? You tell me, did he pass the neighbor test? Come on, did he pass the neighbor test? No, see, he knew the answer, but he failed the test. And before we go any further, does, does that scare anybody? Does that scare you? That it's possible that we could think we're doing okay. We could actually think we're acing the test, but we're not. I know for those of you who always maintain a 4.0, that's like the freakiest thing in the world, isn't it? Like you're, actually, you guys were always the ones that thought you were failing every single test. You're like, you aced everything. Maybe you got an A- once, and every time you took a test, you're like, oh, I failed that. There's, we're all like, yeah, right, we... But this is way more important than just academic pursuits, isn't it? This, this is important for us because it's part of our mission. Our mission here at Harvest is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and we would love our neighbor as ourselves. That's part of our mission. And, and here's the warning for us. We can know the answer but fail the test because we're not actually living it out. It's possible for us to say it, to memorize it, to stick it on a sign, to post it on social media, to wear the t-shirt, but not actually do it. We're a, we're a Bible church. I love that you got your Bibles out. Some of you are taking notes. You're taking notes on your phone. I love that you're doing that, but we always have to be careful that we are not just a note-taking church where we're only interested in getting the right answers down, becoming experts or Bible fatheads, but we're not actually responding to when God is 
pressing on us, when he's pinning us to the ground in conviction of sin, when he starts to move in our hearts that, that, that he would move us to repentance and obedience. We say this all the time. It's never just another Sunday at harvest. Have you heard that before? You heard that? We say that all the time, right? Do you know what that means? Do you know why we say that? It's never just another Sunday at harvest. Do you know why? Because we are expecting every time we gather together to meet with God. Do you realize the significance of that? That he would inhabit the praises and the worship of his people and through the preaching of his word, that's a vertical church. And I hope that's the one thing that is always evident. Every Sunday, when you walk out of Lanier Middle School and you go out to be the church in Northern Virginia, you know, no doubt about it, we just met with God. That's what we're pursuing. A, uh, we want an earth-shattering, window-rattling, life-altering encounter with the living God. And I got to tell you, you're, you're going to experience his manifest presence. And when a finite, sinful person encounters an infinite, holy God, that is going to mess you up. You're not going to stay the same. And maybe God's going to move us. Maybe he's going to bring us to conviction. There's going to be things that he's going to pin us to the ground on. But even in the midst of that, I hope you know he's not just some vindictive God. He's not just out to get you. His, his kindness is going to lead you to repentance. We're just expecting that we're going to do this. God's going to move in our hearts. And so when he does, if, if we really love him, we're going to respond. We're going to be changed. So that's what we're praying when we're saying, God, work. This is for you. And, and this is also for me. In fact, I was reminded this week, I, I read an article that was addressed to pastors. It's kind of a sobering reminder. And basically it was just saying, hey, hey pastors, y'all are supposed to be close to God, right? I mean, that's kind of a fair expectation. So the reality is, either it's true and you are close to God, or you're getting really good at making it look like you're a lot closer to God than you really are. Be careful. I don't, I don't want to know the answer but fail the test on this. Will you pursue this with me? Hey, um, we're trying to change culture around here. I love that you get out your Bibles and that we take some notes, but we don't want to just be a note-taking church. And I hope that as we gather together and we meet with God through His work, Word every Sunday, He is moving in you to take a next step. Everybody has a next step at harvest. He may be moving you to respond in obedience. Well, here's what you can do. You can go to next steps and... Uh, we have a spot right there, and you can see it up here on the screen. This is the page there on the next steps. There's a, there's a link for you to respond to the sermon. And we just we're, what we're trying to do is we're just trying to help, okay? If God is moving in your heart, then, then would you respond? Would you let us know how God is moving you, what he is asking you to do? What will happen is I will get an email, just me. I would love to pray with you. 
And I'd love to work with you as you grow in your walk with Christ. I would love to do that as your pastor. We don't want you to just come and know the right answers, but fail the test. Because we're not putting these things into action. So Jesus is going to press here. And verse 30, um, he's going to start to uh, reveal hearts. So he says, uh, verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. We're like, okay, wait, wait, he's telling a story. Oh, he's like, all right, story time. How many of you guys like story time? Like stories? Yeah. Jesus is telling parables. Why? Because he's going to press a little bit here. He, he, he wants to push towards application and reveal some hearts. So he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, I've never been to Israel yet. Uh, God, God willing, Lord, I'm, I'm really hoping that I'm going to be able to go next, next year. I'm fired up. I want to see it. I want to be able to be there. I've never seen this road, but apparently this road is really steep and really treacherous, and, and it's a great place for bad guys to set up their operations. And this poor Jew, I, I mean, he's, he just happens to be in the wrong spot at the wrong time. The guys come, they, they pounce on him, they beat him up, they steal his clothes, which are apparently really valuable, and they leave him literally half dead. He is in bad shape. But Jesus gives a little glimmer of hope in this story. Uh, verse 31, now by chance, which always means not by chance, but now by chance, a, a priest was going down that road. And everybody who's listening to the story at this point is thinking, oh good, like uh, here comes the hero. It's like he's, he's going to save the day. What did, what, what did I say? He, he, uh, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. You're like, wait, what? What? Wasn't, ex- wasn't expecting that one. Uh, I, I, I thought he was going to help, and, and it's kind of weird, but I mean, we're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe give him a pass. We don't know his schedule. We don't, maybe, maybe he was on a time constraint. Maybe he got something really important. To get. He's, he's a priest, okay? So he works in the temple. That's a big job. He works in the temple. Maybe he's on, on assignment from the Lord. We don't know. But, but Jesus says in verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him. So, so, so Levite is not quite as important as a priest. They weren't from directly from uh, descendants from Aaron, but they worked with the priest. So he's not quite as important. Maybe he's got a little bit more time on his hand, but it says that he also passed by on the other side. Well, now it's unavoidable. Jesus isn't just defining neighbor. He's actually starting to answer the first question that the lawyer had asked in verse 25. And he's giving us another warning. Note this. You can follow religion, but fail to love God. You can follow religion, but fail to love God. See, here's the deal. If you come alongside uh, somebody that's bleeding, somebody that's suffering, somebody that's hurting, it's just the decent thing to do to stop, right? You, you see somebody, like they, they're in an accident on the side of the road, some, some, you witness a crisis, you're just going to check on them, right? Especially if you know the answer, the answer is that we're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Like you, you, just, you just do that, right? And so there's no way that these guys could have excluded this man from the neighbor category when they saw him. Because when Jews thought uh, neighbor, they're thinking my people, Jews. They're thinking like, the people that I live around, uh, the people that I associate with. And, and, and here's this suffering man who is Jewish, and, and this priest, and by the way, the priest is like, they're supposed to shepherd and care for the rest of the Jews, their people, right? And so you got a priest, you got a Levite, and apparently ain't nobody got time for that. 
And so at this point in the story, it's kind of hard for us to kind of justify these guys' actions. We're like, may, may, I mean, if it was one, one guy, maybe, maybe we could, he's got a legitimate excuse, but both guys can't stop, really? And, and notice that, that Jesus specifically highlights the fact that uh, both of them are religious. You don't think he did that on purpose? See, those of us who claim to follow and love God need to hear this the most. These two men want a relationship with God that doesn't require them to be inconvenienced or to get their hands dirty. Don't want to have to deal with people. They're actually hypocritical consumers proving that they're in it just for themselves and what they get out of it and they don't truly love God. I just want me church. I like me church. You know me church? Where it's all about me. I just want me church. Where I can roll in whenever I want and whenever I feel like it. There's no expectations. And you know, if I feel, if I feel like I need some me time out on the golf course or in my bed that morning, that's cool. Like there's no pressure. I can hang, I, I, I'll do whatever I want. And when I decide that I'm gonna grace the church with my presence, they've got a prime parking spot waiting for me. And they got a sweet looking bulletin with pictures and the band plays songs that I like and the, the pastor doesn't go too long and he doesn't yell at me. Sorry about that, by the way. And he doesn't, he doesn't challenge me in any way. He just makes me feel so much better about myself. I like it like that. I don't have to shake anybody's hand. I don't have to feel pressure to join a small group if I don't want to. Nobody's asking me to pray. I, I, I really don't want to have to serve in the nursery or anything gross like that. I, I want to go to me church. I don't want to go to you church where I have to like put you first and think about your needs. And I certainly don't want to have to go into my creepy, needy neighborhood and have to deal with those people. I just want me and God. Okay? Like, he understands me. And just like on my time frame, I just want a relationship. I don't want to have to deal with people. You know, there's a danger in thinking that we could be right with God because we go to church or we follow some rituals or we put some religion in our schedule. But the gospel is not actually penetrating to the core of our sinful hearts and destroying the selfishness that would cause us to keep people at arm's length and not love them. Remember the neighbor test? The neighbor test is, do you love God by loving your neighbor? See, when you love your neighbor... That's the evidence that you love God, that the gospel of grace, that grace that you've been given that you could never earn, that you could never deserve, that grace has changed you so that you will gladly get some dirt on you while you scoop up that man or that woman in their depression and their desperation and their brokenness to love them and to serve them just as God has done with you. I would love to do that because of what Christ has accomplished for me. But notice again, Verse 31 and 32, notice that, that both of these guys, the text says they passed by on the other side. You've done this before. Uh, you, you've been walking down the sidewalk, and, and all of a sudden you notice somebody else is, is like coming at you, and it's starting to make you feel really uncomfortable. So you're walking along, you're like, nope, that's creeper. And, and you just cross the street, and you're going to like get, I'm just going to try to avoid having to deal with them. Literally, these guys are trying to get as far away as they can Proving, proving that their hearts are far from the God who loves 
sinners. They don't want any, they don't, they don't love God. And church, if we love God, there's no way that we can pass by people that we see that are in need. So we're not, we're, we're not going to like see somebody on the side of the road and drive by and be like, hey man, see, see you, got like, you got a flat tire, you need some jumper cables. Oh man, mine are, mine are buried under my golf club. Uh, hope you get some help. Uh, you should come to my church, check it out this Sunday, it's pretty awesome, all right? You are loved, right? Man, glad we're not like that guy. He probably doesn't even go to church. Flat tires aren't very fun, but maybe God's trying to get his attention. So are we just adding to the stereotypes here that we're just a bunch of hypocrites because we don't actually love people? We claim to love God and they can see right through it. We're not actually interested in demonstrating the love of Christ. But here's where the sting of the story really hits. You ready for this? You ready? Because Jesus is about to change the world. You know that? Verse 33. Verse 33. But a Samaritan. Whoa, whoa, wait. Who? Here's the crazy thing about this. This is so scandalous that you had already heard this story 2,000 years later before you even came to church this morning. You already knew what a good Samaritan was. Everybody knows what that was. Everybody has heard of that. This rocked the world when Jesus said that it was a Samaritan that had stopped. Because they're the enemy. Jews don't love Samaritans. Samaritans don't love Jews. And they certainly don't go out of their way to help each other. But here he is, verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and he bound up his wounds. Wait, he's touching him. What's he doing? He's touching him. He's not supposed to do that. Pouring on oil and wine. You're like, wait, wait, he's wasting that's like expensive. Why is, he, why is he wasting? And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Like he's, he's walking. He's letting that guy, like he's letting that guy sit on the animal. And the next day he took out two denarii. He's getting out his wallet. And he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? There's nothing else to say, is there? Well, the one who showed him mercy. So Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. They're pretty stunned at this moment. See, the Samaritan went so far beyond what he was supposed to. He went so far out of his way, crossing racial lines, crossing social barriers, pulling out his wallet, rearranging his schedule. Here's what I think we can learn. You can go beyond limits when you love like Jesus. I love that the text actually adds that. Verse 33, it says that the Samaritan had 
compassion. See, that word means that, that, that you were moved inwardly in your heart, gut-wrenching, moved to action, that you would show kindness and goodwill towards those who are affected. I hope you see the beauty in this. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that Matthew and Matthew 9, he tells us that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know, do you know, when, when, when our Savior sees us in our misery, He is moved with compassion. And so He says in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. Jesus is the one who served, the one who loved, us, without limit, all the way to the cross. He's the one who pays the price, lifts us up out of the pit. He wraps us in his love. He heals our brokenness, and he, he patiently cares for us. Stays with us all night. And he's a gracious and merciful Savior. Some of you may need to know that this morning. Jesus took your place and died for your sin. Maybe He would move you to the next step that today you just need to believe. You've been trying to do good. You've been going to church, adding religion to your life. You can't earn it. You need a Savior and His name is Jesus. He died to pay for your sins so that you could have eternal life. But for all of us, in, in, in this moment in history, in Luke chapter 10, there was a spotlight on this lawyer as Jesus asked him this question that hung in a hushed silence over the crowd. Because everybody knew the answer. And everybody knew that Jesus had just redefined neighbor forever. And he was putting us to the test. You see it? Will you prove to be a neighbor? Will you go beyond? Will you go beyond some of those limits that you place? Will you talk yourself out of helping people out? Or are you willing to go beyond even racial barriers? Listen, I know, like, we're, we're, we're used to diversity around here, but you know as well as I do that when you think about crime, you think about poverty, people in need, certain kinds of people come to your mind. And there are certain people that you're just not really comfortable with. Do you know? Do you, it's sin that builds walls. It's sin that defines barriers. It's sin that would tempt us to only love my people, people I'm comfortable with. What about your phone? The people you text, the people you contact with, the people you hang out with, do they look just like you? Will you go beyond financial constraints? You said, man, if I, like, if I have to love my neighbor, I'm, uh, that's going to hit my wallet. I'm, I, I, I might have to sacrifice. I might not be able to go on my Chick-fil-A and my Starbucks runs. Yes. Like, are we willing to sacrifice here? Are you willing to go beyond time constraints? 
You say, now you're just getting nasty. Do you realize how valuable my time is? Like, I don't, I, I hope that you, you are seeing this, that only the love of Jesus can pass the neighbor test. And only the love of Jesus can transform entire neighborhoods. So how is he moving you to respond today? What is he asking you to do? We, we want to help. And so one of the things that we're doing together as a church is go beyond. We have these projects. And, and, and I realize as I think about these things, I look at them, I'm like, they're so little. It just doesn't seem like that much. It, it, it doesn't feel like we're doing enough. And yet it's, it's just the next step, okay? We're taking the next step. And so maybe the next step for you is to just join us on this next project that we have. You already got your baby bottles. You got that right? Keep working on those. Our project number two is a work day. We are going to go this Saturday to the second story. Second story is a ministry. Uh, Lauren Witherspoon works there. And uh, it, was, it used to be called Alternative House. They just recently kind of changed their name to kind of reflect the expanding programs, the services they offer. Here's what they do. They offer children, youth, and families hope for brighter futures by providing counseling, shelter, and neighborhood-based support. Basically, they're just trying to be a safe place for young people who are homeless, who are in need, who are hurting, who are abused. Can we help them out? We, we want to love these people. We want to help. So we're going to do a work day. This Saturday, July 15th, from 9 to noon. I know some of you are like, ah, oh, I got something going on at 11. That's okay, come at 9. Some of you got something going on at 9. That's okay, come when you're done, okay? It's okay. Like, if you can only come for a little bit, we'd love to have you there. Come and join us, okay? Make this a priority. We are going to come and we are going to work. We're going to actually meet at the teen shelter on Gallows Road in Vienna. The address will be on our website. There's a, there's a place for you to find this information. You know where you would go? You know, what's, what's the page? You're awesome. Love you. Go to the Next Steps page. We're going to keep the, the details updated. We want you to have, okay, here's some of the stuff we're going to be working on. We're going to be uh, reorganizing their basement, doing some deep cleaning, maybe even moving some furniture there, uh, some yard work, trying to get rid of some poison ivy, weeding, mowing, etc. Just, okay, come ready to work. Bring your work gloves. We're going to get a little dirty, and we're going to surf. Ready to do that? We want to love these people. We want you to be prepared. Here's what you can do. Go on our next steps. Go to the Go Beyond page. Uh, there's a button there. Let us know you're coming. That way we kind of get an idea of how many people we're going to have. We could just invite some people. Bring them with you, okay? We're going to come and we're going to surf together. We want to love on these people. That's project number two. Here's project number three. Letting you know this ahead of time. We're going to start working on this for the next couple of weeks. We're going to put backpacks together for the homeless. But we're going to do this one. We're, we're going to work on this project in our small groups, okay? So in our small groups, all our small groups need to purchase backpacks and, and supplies, personal supplies like socks and deodorant and toothbrush and first aid items, stuff like that. We also want to put a grocery card in there so that, so that people could have money. They could go and, and buy food, put some non-perishable items in there. We want to be able to support them and love them, okay? So here's the deal. We want to have at least one backpack per small group. We've got five small groups. That's at least five backpacks, right? I did the math. Uh, here's the deal. If you want to go beyond, please do that. You can do more. If, if we can be generous, let's go beyond that. But, but we want to really reach out. And the reason is because when people come to our church or they call the office and they're looking for help because uh, they, they don't have a home or, or they're in some financial need, we do not want to shut our ears to the cries of the poor. We want to be able to do something. And I realize it's not much. This is just, this is just the start. But this is our next step, okay? And so we want to work together, and bring these things. And I know some of you are like, well, I'm not part of a small group. That's okay. You can help us out. 
Go to Next Steps. There's a link there. Just click that. I will get in contact with you directly and tell you how you can be a part of this. But we're going to put our backpacks together over the next couple of weeks in our small groups, and we're going to bring them back together on July 23rd. We're going to pray over those. And that Sunday, by the way, I'm not, I'll tell you more about our fourth project next week. But just so you know, we're, that's the Sunday we're going to have our cookout, okay? You can go now and start signing up to bring some food. Uh, we're going to go to the shelter house. I'll tell you more of those details next week. But, but get on there this week and start participating, okay? We don't want to know the answer but fail the test. And God is asking us, will you prove to be a neighbor? We love God. and We love our community. So let's demonstrate it as we go beyond together. Amen. Lord, I pray that you would Go with us this week. I know these are, in, in many ways, I look at some of these projects and, and they feel like they're just small. But it's the next step for us because we want to follow you. We want to care about the, the broken and the hurting and the needy in our community. And we don't want to turn our ears away from the cries of the poor. And Lord, I don't know you may be moving in our hearts. You may be bringing to mind a neighbor, a friend, someone that we don't even know. We don't even know their name, but they stop by our house or we see them walking. God, would you move our hearts to compassion that we would love as you have loved us. You're an awesome Savior.